episode for week five of the NFL season just because of how long some of the previous have been rather than you know, make an episode two hours long I always still make sure I get to your beautiful and perfect and wonderful listener questions and so this week we had a couple of good ones that I want to make sure that got answered the first one's from at Houston Houdini and make sure to follow at Houston Houdini he is part of Balra Blocks Masthead He's been writing a really good matchup article for the college football season. And so you know which offensive tackle versus which defensive end to pay attention to. And with the Texans set to be 1-7 during the Davis Mills segment of the season, so Tyrod Taylor comes back, which who knows what they're going to do whenever Taylor gets back. Um, We'll be talking and thinking about the NFL draft in October instead of, you know, February and January this time around. So his first question was, as it currently stands, the Texans are not the betting favorites for the first overall pick, with both Jacksonville and Detroit winless. If the number one quarterback and the number one non-quarterback, defensive end Thibodeau, are off the board, is that potentially a good thing, considering how the Clowney draft went? Yeah, this is kind of like the interesting thing about the Texans draft next year, where every single, like all the analysis kind of coming out, about the the 2022 NFL draft is that there's a lot of quarterbacks, but none of them are elite. And so there's a lot of guys like Hal, like Willis, like Rattler, and each have their own kind of you know strange you know, issues with their own performance in their game. That like there's not like a clear cut like number one pick, and it's still early on in the season. And even though we're like kind of hearing that around week five, like Willis is like the best quarterback right now, Corey Mel Kuyper, it usually changes by the end of the year. And there's always a guy or two that, you know, jumps up the boards and kind of changes the whole thing around. But so for Houston, it's like, do you want to, if you have three top 10 picks potentially after you trade Deshaun Watson, do you want to do like a Carolina Panthers sort of thing and just take three defensive players and add talent to that side of the ball because the defense is terrible? And then that way you kind of build like a, a better situation for a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback than you would otherwise in throwing him to the fray on a team without any talent, you know, a la David Carr. Or you kind of run the risk of not taking quarterback early. Then you become too good to take one high up in the draft and now you're trading draft picks to do so, like San Francisco did this past year. Or you kind of end up on the quarterback carousel like Houston was on for so long until they trade up for Deshaun Watson and kind of like the hell that the Colts are living in, going from Andrew Luck to booing Andrew Luck when he retired, to Jacoby Brissett, to Phillip Rivers, now Carson Wentz. And so there's there it's like a hard spot to be in. And I personally think like if you have like you you go for the quarterback until you find a quarterback that works out. And until you find that franchise guy, like it's hard to figure the rest of those parts of it out. And like Houston just is so talentless too that, you know, it's um it's it makes that it makes like that sort of reasoning, even though I feel like that's the best way to do it, it, makes it that much more difficult to kind of stand by 
because they can use players at any single part of the roster. And that was why I thought like, the Davis Mills pick last year in the third round was as bad as it was. But that's more due to the fact that Mills was bad and in, at Stanford and most third-round quarterbacks aren't very good either. But looking at the 2014 draft, it was Clowney 1, Greg Robinson 2, Blake Bortles 3, Sammy Watkins 4, Cleo Mack 5, Jake Matthews 6, Mike Evans 7, Justin Gilbert 8, Anthony Barr 9, Eric Ebron 10, Terrell Lewan 11, Odell Beckham 12, Aaron Donald 13, and uh, he, of course, was the best player from that draft as well, too. I mean, I just don't, I don't think you can, like, use as a one-size-fit-all um, sort of perspective and use like, the 2014 draft as an example. I think the 14 draft just kind of points to you know, how much of a crapshoot the draft really is, where the best players in this draft were Darnold picked at 13, Mack picked at 5, Martin picked at 16, Derek Carr picked at 36, Mosley at 17, Brand Cooks at 20, Evans at 7, Matthews at 6, and Devontae Adams at 53. And then Corey Lindsley, you're right behind Odell Beckham by career approximate value at 161. That like, yeah, I mean, even if you have in a draft for like it's a clear cut, you know, this is an all-time defensive player, even then, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The career injuries can happen. You may not find the right scheme for them. Um, you may have a player who can't pick up sacks, but his football good and kind of messes with the perception what he is as well too. That kind of puts you in a weird spot as well. So I, I don't really buy like 14 as something to, to point to for like this year at all, but I think 14 is an example of just how crazy the draft can kind of be too. But, uh, but yeah, like until I'm able to start watching these quarterbacks and have a better idea of them, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they do try to go the route of let's build talent first instead of quarterbacks, but we'll just see like what happens with Willis and Rattler and, and Hal and all these guys as we get a little bit closer to it um, as well. So next few questions for from at Chilcut Steve, who's a, a San Francisco 49ers fan as well too now. And his first question is, Casario mentioned giving Desmond King more, more reps outside cornerback. Why? Wouldn't it make more sense to keep him inside see if he's worth a longer-term contract while letting Moreland or someone else more suited to the outside get a chance there? And this is a great point because we watched Desmond King last week as an outside cornerback, and he wasn't good out there. He got beat twice deep. Um, he's not good as like a pure man coverage corner. Like even all the slot reps that he's had over his career in Tennessee and Los Angeles, when he's playing the slot as like a pure press man corner, he's not good in that role at all. He's got you on playing zone coverage. You and even playing as like a linebacker in nickel situations because he's such a good tackler. He's really good in hook zones. Um, he sees the field fairly well from there. But I think kind of the problem that they've had is that Vernon Hargraves is terrible, <laughs> and they their other cornerbacks are Tavier Thomas and uh, and Traymond Smith. And so it's like, what do you, what are you gonna do if you bench Vernon Hargraves? You're gonna put Tavier Thomas out the outside out, out, over there at the outside. And so Houston kind of like is in a spot where. They don't have the safety play to play cover three, even though they played a lot of cover three last week against Buffalo, where Lonnie Johnson Jr. was pants by Josh Allen multiple times. They don't have the linebacker play or the front seven pass rush to play cover two, which they were playing to start the year, and they got crushed in that. And they don't have the cornerback play, play man coverage at all. And so you're kind of in like a, a really bizarre spot where, you know, you don't really know at all what to do here. But yeah, I, I agree with this reasoning too. Like what makes King an interesting player and what makes him fun to watch is the fact of, like he's a like a five foot ten linebacker who's a great tackler who closes in on gaps well who uh, who is a good hook zone defender like the best plays made this year 
was playing a linebacker position where he played the hook zone, defended a pass, and like show more coverage, you know, prowess than you know Christian Kirksey or Cunningham has it all this year. And so I think using him more as like a linebacker nickel situations would be a better use of him than him playing as a pure outside cornerback. So they're just kind of like they did this because they don't want to play Vernon Hargraves. But I think you have a better idea what you have in King. You have a better idea of like maybe if you could get a fifth round pick for him at the trade deadline, or if you're going to keep him here long term with him at the slot than him playing on the outside as well too. His next question is, I called a portion of Texans All-Access on the radio yesterday. We are four weeks in, and Vandermeer and Harris are already asking Kassir about his college prospect scouting process. That's a bad sign, right? Yeah, it's a bad sign. And it's kind of like the the bummer about this season where, like, I like, you know, personally, like, I like the NFL. I'm not a big college football fan at all. The games take too long. They take four and a half hours. I didn't go to any of those crappy schools at all. Um, you know, unless like you have like the luster of previous days of binge drinking surrounding the game, like it's really hard to, for me personally, to get like really riled up to watch, you know, Texas and Arkansas or anything like that at all. And so I don't really watch the NFL draft until next year. And I think part of it too is that so much of the NFL draft is, you know, where these guys end up. Like you can take a, you can look at a guy's film and think, you know, have a good idea of who he is as a player in college. But then he goes to a different team and the scheme doesn't fit his needs or their team that isn't very good developing players and things turn out entirely different. I think a good example of that was like Justin Matabuke. Like I thought he was a flash player where it kind of really like he had a lot of potential. It kind of mattered where he ended up. And he ended up going to Baltimore where he's been like a really interesting prospect. He's made some big splash plays. He's had some good interior rushers. He's settled in as a starter on that defense already one year into or into the second year of his career at a defensive tackle position, but like whereas like in Houston he would be fighting for snaps with like Jaleel Johnson and and Malik Collins and we'd say like where's you know Matt Abuke? He sucks. He's not a very good player. He's not on the field at all ever. But it's also just kinda of like part of you know one team's good developing front seven talent and the other team isn't. So like the Ravens are a team who's better equipped to you know getting the most out of a front seven defender compared to somebody like, you know, maybe Detroit or like Houston or you know Jacksonville. And so it is a bad sign. It's a it's a bummer because I'm gonna keep writing about you know the Texans and writing about the NFL in general. And a lot of it, I think, is gonna fall in deaf ears because everybody's gonna be so focused on the draft. Because once again, they're gonna be one and seven here at Davis Mills pretty soon. And so the last question we have here is from Ed Chill cuts deep once again. Once again, he said, "Can the Texans get a first and a second for Tunsil? If so, would you do that deal? For what it's worth, I would." Maybe request a DC young player too, like Jacob Martin. Um, you know, like I think with Tunsil, they they can't trade him this year because they restructured his contract. And like I was all all aboard on trying to trade Tunsil last off season. You know, they about Tunsil is he's a top like you know five or so left tackle when it comes to pure pass protection. He's the sort of guy who can neutralize the top pass rushers in the league. And you trade you have Tunsil on your team so that way you don't have to chip. You don't have to worry about Miles Garrett ruining your entire offensive game plan. And the Texans have kind of done some dumb things like chip for Laramie Tunsil uh, and and kind of like limit what makes him as special a player as he is because now you have one less guy going out into out and pass routes. You're also changing up his pass saying you're opening the door for stunts like we saw in that Carolina game and even against Cleveland a few times as well too. And so I I, uh, I think they're really like kind of limiting it with him also, he's a terrible run blocker, and he wasn't a good run blocker last year. He was a good run blocker two years ago. Him and Tyus Howard have been absolutely abysmal 
on the backside of outside zone plays. They keep trying to run outside zone right. hasn't worked very well. And their hip-to-hip double teams haven't been very good now that they're no longer blocking Davon Hamilton. And they're blocking guys like Derek Brown. And they're blocking, you know, guys like uh, Star Ludalei and Malik McDowell. They aren't the same. Their double teams aren't working as good as they did, you know, as recently as uh, week one just because of the level of talent too. And so, yeah, like if they could get first and second for Tensel, I think that's the trade that you make in a make in a second, but the contract complicates it because of how much money he's owed. And the second thing is that, you know, I don't think a team would trade that much for Tunsil. Like Tunsil's again a good pass protector, but because of how how limited he is in the run game, it really doesn't really make him worth that at all. And so I couldn't imagine a world where a team would trade a first and second round pick for him too. Um, and like I thought, kind of like last year, if they wanted to trade Tunsil ahead of the draft. Maybe Jacksonville would buy it. Maybe Carolina would buy it just because of the problems they have the tackle position. But it's a little bit different um, this year because, you know, you're this far into the season and you also want to make sure, like, you have a better draft pick, too, if you were to make that trade. And so I know in I know in earlier this year, whenever the Chiefs made their trade for Orlando Brown, they gave a 2021 first-round pick, a third-round pick, a 2022 fifth-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 six-round pick, which is insane. And, like, Brown's like a little bit different of a guy because he's also a really, like, great run blocker. But that trade was insane. And it's like if you think, well, maybe Tensel's 90% or 85% of uh, Brown just because of his inability to run block, maybe you can get a first-round pick and a third-round pick, you know. Uh, but maybe not to the same haul that that Baltimore was able to get. But I think even if you're able to get like a, a first for Tensel, I think that'd be enough to be able to move on from him. And then you could put Tyus Howard left tackle and see what he can do at that position because Howard's been a very good pure run blocker, even if he hasn't been able to to pass block at all. But that would also mean Howard hasn't played a spot aside from center on the offensive line. They were do, if they were to do something like that also. Um, and the last thing I want to say here about this trade request is that I don't think Jacob Martin's good. And, or not necessarily, I don't think, but Jacob Martin isn't good. He's bad in the run game. He gets reached by defensive ends all the time. He gets pushed out of plays in the outside zone game. Um, in space, teams have really kind of picked on him. You saw what Carolina did to him a few times in that game by using him as a read defender and just kind of like waltzing all the way across the formation against them. Um, Cleveland had some success too, like attacking him on the edge as well. And uh, Buffalo did too. And like he's just bad in the run game as a pass rusher. He has so much speed that he's able to close the gap whenever he's able to occasionally when his pass rush moves, moves and that's why he has the sag holds that he has is because he has his quickness, you know. But all tackles do is they overstone his speed move, and then if he can't get around him, he has no plan aside from that, aside from chopping a lot. And, yeah, like if he chops your hands, if you're able to quickly recover and shoot your hands back lower on his chest, he's done. He can't bull rush at all. And like until Martin learns some sort of a bull rush, which he probably will never do because he weighs 240 pounds, he's not going to be a good defensive end. He's not going to be a good edge rusher at all. And like I think Martin's like, you know, somebody who like, you just want in a three-four defense as a situational pass rusher. Like that's that's the most that you can ask from. And it's actually trying to make him an every-down player, and it hasn't worked at all so far. So, anyways, those are our questions for this week's episode of Balred Radio as far as this as the weekly preview goes. Um, you know, next Thursday night, if you have any questions that you want to add, it's there on Twitter. 
You can also send me any messages directly if you have any questions that you have for the weekly show. Until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Howard Radio. And uh, thank you for listening to me tonight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.